1: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I've been one to make friends just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. I'd say we need to talk about the elephant in the room, but it's more like a circus of elephants. with The two biggest being Tesla and Apple. Listen, I know this market's going kind of crazy. After another fabulous Dow, hey gal, Dow know another 378 points. As I know it gets a little, it gets a little monotonous. S&P climbing 1% to a record high, and Nasdaq advancing 0.60% also to a record high. There are extreme valuations everywhere, undeniably so. I mean, I see them in the cloud stocks, data center, fuel, Cells, financial technology. They're the reason why we can have such an incredible rally, even if so few stocks are actually participating. NASDAQ's up 26% year-to-date, for heaven's sake. But a huge chunk of that's from FANG, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, and Alphabet, which still gets the G in the acronym, because I'll never stop thinking of it as Google. These stocks, though, are not necessarily all that expensive, if if everything goes right for them. And so far, everything that could go right has gone right. Still, the notion that Apple now sports a $2 trillion valuation is disturbing for many people. In particular, there's tremendous skepticism also that Tesla, up 390% for the year, could be worth more than $375 billion. These are the conundrums. These are what people talk about. And their staggering moves. Remember, when so many commentators told you it was absurd how Tesla had a bigger market cap than Ford or GM or Toyota, even though it makes fewer cars. Far fewer cars. Well, now it's bigger than all three of them combined. Everyone who fought it on the way up, well, let's just say I think they would pretty much thrown in the towel. You don't hear from them much anymore. Now, we're constantly hearing that this whole market is a farce propped up by the Federal Reserve. You've heard that so many times, which keeps pumping money into the economy when there are few viable alternatives to invest in. I, I, look, I don't totally disagree. The Fed has definitely helped, but I think that's a good thing. Would you prefer if they'd let the whole economy collapse? I mean, that's really what you're arguing for if you don't want the Fed involved. Beyond that, though, remember that most stocks are still down for the year. Tesla and Apple aren't on fire because of Jerome Powell, though. They're on fire because Elon Musk and Tim Cook have both done a fabulous job of running their companies. If they dropped the ball, we'd have a different set of winners right now. As for the idea that the Fed's intervention is somehow unfair, I regard that as sour grapes. Anything the Federal Reserve does is going to be unfair to someone. When you buy stocks, part of that involves making a bet on monetary policy. And if you thought that the Fed would be a lot more tight-fisted, well, then you bet wrong. End of story. Now back to these big winners. Are their new valuations sustainable? How long can they keep up this incredible move? Why don't we start with the $2 trillion Apple? Now I've been recommending this thing since it was at $5. It's now at $503. The whole way I said, own it, don't trade it. Even my haters admit I got this one right. Must just refresh them. At this point, though, Apple trades at 33 times next year's earnings, making it pretty expensive for a tech stock with a 10% growth rate. But is Apple really a tech stock? If we value this like a consumer products company with this 10% growth rate, it would be one of the cheapest in the group. Superior dividend, fantastic balance sheet. Don't get me wrong, Apple's got great technology, but the real value proposition here for the stock is that service revenue stream, the incredible 99% customer loyalty, pretty much assures there's a lifetime value to each person that buys an Apple, uh, any device. You think Procter & Gamble has that kind of loyalty, Colgate, Clarks? No. Yet they all have comparable valuations in terms of where they are versus the earnings. And just like that, Apple makes necessities in this digital era. Plus, unlike those stocks, Apple has multiple revenue streams, handsets, computers, smartwatches, AirPods. All that hardware adds up to a mighty river, running in parallel to the service revenue stream, which would be one of the largest companies in the world if they spun it off as a separate entity. Not that they would ever do that. I think they can get you paying for news, music, entertainment, cloud backup, and 30% cut of everything you buy on the App Store. Like that, but you probably don't even notice the bill. Of course, Apple's about to do a four-for-one split on August 31st. When that happens, stock could pull back, as many of the owners sell a share of the four to lock in their gains. That's the old pattern. But after the split pull pullback, you know what? Time to buy again. The biggest uh, issue for Apple, well, let's say short-term, it's China. If the trade war keeps heating up, it's possible Apple gets caught in the crossfire because China's a huge chunk of the business. And they do a ton of manufacturing there. It's been what's been going on now for 18 months. We've been listening to this one. So far, Apple's navigated the situation pretty well. And if Biden wins in November, well, the trade war won't be an issue anymore. And then you'll be thinking, why did I sell it? The trade war? How about Tesla? Much tougher. For years, I called Tesla a cold stock that I couldn't make a judgment on. Then I have what you might call religious conversion after a series of events. Everything from seeing my wife and daughter happily behind the wheel, loving it, to the balance sheet going from worst to first, got me to recommend the stock at $260. Of course, at the time, I was attached as a Johnny Come lately. But if you listen to me last November, you're now up, uh, I don't know, 1,700 points. Call me in any and you want, but don't call me late for dinner. Still, should a car company be worth nearly $400 billion? Of course not. But then again, Tesla's not a car company. It's a technology company. Just like the $313 billion NVIDIA or the $770 billion Facebook, the car is simply one manifestation. The truck will be another. The solar business, the third. And finally, the battery business could end up being the most important piece of the puzzle. I think we'll take it far more seriously when Tesla holds its battery day on September 22nd. And that's when you might see the battery that can go for ages without charging. With Elon Musk, who knows? Now, look, I know the bears think it's ridiculous that a car company with a couple of factories in the U.S., another in China, third in the way in Berlin, can command such a gigantic market capitalization. They've been saying that forever. Again, though, if you look at tes- Tesla as a tech company that eh, just so happens to make cars, well, the valuation can make more sense. Candidly, I, would I be a buyer up here at 2000 It's run a lot. I think it's got some vulnerability to the, after this magnificent move, but the company could have $35, $35 of earnings power. In 2025, according to today's report from a solid analyst at Wedbush, so it's not insane to pay 40 or 50 times that number given the spectacular growth rate. And that's how people determine stock prices, not whether it's worth more or less than Toyota or Ford. Full disclosure, my child trust has a very big position in Apple, but we've already told members of the Plus.com club that we'll keep owning it, we're not going to trade it. As for Tesla, I fear that Battery Day might end up being some letdown, but you got my blessing to buy it in any split-related weakness next week. Then you can ring the register and part of your position before Battery Day on September 22nd, just in case, well, whatever, you want to have some room. Long-term, though, even after a 1,700-point gain, I, I know Musk's got more magic in the, in the tank. Here's the bottom line. If you judge Apple as a pure hardware play or you judge Tesla as a pure car company, then you're right. All these moves are all smoke and mirror. The thing is, though, Apple's a consumer products company that just so happens to have fantastic technology. And Tesla's a fantastic technology company that just so happens to make cars, real good cars. Of course, they're both stocks, and in the end, stocks can break your heart. But if Elon Musk and Tim Cook continue to execute, I bet their long-term trajectory is up. Let's go to Zach in Pennsylvania. Zach! Hey, Jim, how are you? Just getting ready for an Eagle season. You bet we are, and I think we look real good. What's going on? Not much, man. I'm really excited about it, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. But look, I'm looking long-term here on this stock. With schools somewhat going back, maybe some stores opening, this stock was at 65. Now it's closer to 80. Is Starbucks a long term? I think Starbucks is a definite buy. Let me explain. This is what I told members of the ActionLottersPlus.com club. Look, you have a barbell. You have companies that do well right now with the uh, economy closed. And then you have companies that are going to do unbelievably well when the economy opens. And it's opening by slowly for this country, big for China. That makes Starbucks a winner. I want you to buy it. Gregory in California. Gregory. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? I am doing well. How about you, Gregory. I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there in this, uh, this COVID summer that we're in. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm calling. i I'm have taken my mask off only to make this call um, uh, to ask you about a stock, uh, Biomarine, BMR. Oh, Biomarine. The, uh, look, I'm I, I at this stock. So, I got it. Let me tell you something, Gregory. Uh, this stock is now at 73. Now, yes, I did care tremendously about the hemophilia drug. There's no doubt about it. But you are now paying almost half. Of, uh, of what this company might be worth because the other drugs are great. J.J. Anime is terrific. Don't even rule out that they might not come back with that drug in a couple of years. But what matters to me is that the existing portfolio of Biomarin is worth a lot more than $73. I think you buy Biomarin. Let's go to Abe in Ohio. Abe.
2: Hey, Jim. My question is, would Autria Group, ticker symbol MO, make a good dividend stock for dividend income?
1: Well, look, I don't recommend tobacco stocks. It's got a 7.8% yield. It, it can pay that. Uh, but you know what? I think the tobacco is a wasting asset. So I would not I actually implore you not own the stock right. The moves of Tesla and Apple, I know, they're staggering, okay? But you know what? They can keep on winning as long as they keep on executing. Man money, tonight, as more and more consumer data goes online and into the cloud, how's a company like Palo Alto position itself? I've got the earnings exclusive fresh off the company's report. And the NFL just had this really tough false alarm with the COVID-19 testing after reporting 77 false positives. I'm going to talk to the League's testing partner, BioReference Labs, to find out how that happened. And I'm getting a bird's eye view of the financial sector and consumer health with the CEO of what may be the cheapest fintech stock there is. It's called Pfizer. Don't miss my exclusive and stay with Kramer.
3: Don't miss a second of Mad Money.
0: At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: What the heck just happened to the stock of Palo Alto Networks? I mean, we've had an incredible bull market in the cybersecurity stocks. Thanks to the work-from-home economy. And for months, Palo Alto, the dean of the cybersecurity space, has been leading the way. Earlier this month, it broke through its pre-pandemic highs. a new all-time high on Friday. Then Powell out to report it after the close today. And even though the results were, I'm telling you, fantastic, the stock's getting hammered in the after-hours trading. Listen to this. The company posted 9-cent earnings beat off $1.39 basis, higher-than-expected sales, up 18% year-over-year, very strong billings, not to mention terrific sales and earnings guidance for the next quarter. Finally, the limit? Okay, well, the full-year forecast for 2021 fiscal year uh, seems light to some. We also learned about an acquisition. Palo Alto's buying the Cripsis Group for more exposure to incident response, forensics, consulting. Make it more of a one-stop shop, but I don't think that explains the sell-off. My view, stock had run up dramatically going into the quarter, so investors are expected perfection, and the full-year forecast was pretty close to perfection. However, I wouldn't be surprised if management is simply being conservative, and the stock comes right back as analyst after analyst raises numbers and boosts price targets as early as tomorrow morning. Let's think. De- with Nikesh Arora. He's the chairman and CEO of Palo Alto Networks. Get a better read on the quarter and his company's politics. Mr. Arora, welcome back to Mad Money.
3: Thank you very much for having me again, Jim.
1: All right, so once again, Nikesh grew, grew much faster than expected. I do like one chart in your deck. Next-gen security billings, last 12 months. Here we go. Palo Alto is growing at 105%, Kramer Fave, Okta only 36, CrowdStrike only 85, and Zscaler 36. You are pulling away.
3: Well, Jim, when I talked to you two years ago, I was gonna call you and say you should pull up that that video we made two years ago when I joined Powell Networks and I told you, this industry needs an integrated platform play, which gives you best of breed solutions. The problem that the cybersecurity industry has is there are too many fragmented solutions which the customers need to integrate. And we're delighted with our progress over the last two years. We have three platforms. We're going from a single product company to a three platform business. Everybody told me this is a very hard task. You cannot build three platforms, and you cannot do that in a company which has traditionally been selling firewalls. In fact, some of your guests have stood up there and say they applaud our efforts, but it's hard selling new stuff. Yes, it's hard selling new stuff, and we're doing it, and we're doing it with flying colors. I cannot be more proud of the Power of Networks team at this moment.
1: Well, look, one of the things that you have taught me is that there was. Some, you were very early on this. You said it's going to come down to freedom of choice. Some people are going to work at home. Some people are going to work at the office. Some people are going to do both. And we're going to have to protect them everywhere. There is not one company that has really got the ability to be able to say, well, they're here, they're there. We're going to protect them everywhere. I think that your message turned out to be the way uh, to invest in cybersecurity.
3: Well, Jim, you know, it's kind of interesting. I just came off the, the analyst call um, and Again, people are focusing at the wrong end of this thing. You know, people have been wondering whether firewalls are needed. Yes, they're needed. Without firewalls, there's not going to be cybersecurity. If somebody cannot watch your network traffic, it's very hard to protect you. Right. Now, as we go through this cloud computing transformation, where people are going more and more to the public clouds of the world, you are going to see a shift from the data center to the public cloud. Right. You've got to make sure, as you make that journey, you're protected here and you're protected there. And You need the same consistency, and you also need to be not protected at home, in your branches, in your stores. And there's only one way to do it in a consistent basis is to get a set of firewall form factors from a company that offers you all three. So not only that, as you go into the cloud world, there's a whole new blue ocean of cloud security that is emerging. We made an early bet, we bought a bunch of companies, integrated them together, and we're delighted. We have 1,800 customers doing cloud security with us, which is 14% of the global 2000 list. We had zero customers two years ago.
1: Zero. All right now, how about this acquisition tonight? It worries me. Not for the reasons that you would think of the old days. It worries me because obviously you're very worried about incident threat or you wouldn't make this acquisition.
3: You know, Jim, what's interesting is that what happens is cybersecurity is like insurance. Like, you don't want it to happen. You don't want to find out the wrong way. Like, you don't want to find out that I got breached and now I need to go look for good protection. So you want to make sure that when any customer sees any hint or any inkling of there's something that's going on, they go call an incident response business. They call somebody saying, hey, help me. I don't know how to navigate this. What should I do? And we need to be there in the mindset of the customer saying, yes, are people going to come, help you fix your problem, and we're going to leave you in a much better security state than you were before. Now, we need to get ahead of this. And the way to get ahead of this is this company, Crypsis has done this 1,700 customers. They go in there. They're called when people have trouble. They say, can you help us? These guys go show up to help them. They don't have any products. They go consult and they leave. Now, we, have, we think the best products in the cybersecurity industry. And yes, you can't leave a bad product behind because we've seen that model not work, but you can leave good products behind. So our strategy here is to have them be the tip of the spear, go in and help the customers in their time of need, and then leave them great products on Power networks. Well
1: Well, that, that's exactly what you want. And as a, if you own the shares and as people listen, this is exactly how you have to be able to grow this whole mosaic unless you want to be part of some coalition where you do not be able to extract your value. Now, expectations for fiscal year 2021. um, We will manage our spend to flat organic operating margin. Everyone expects that. We continue to expect earnings per share growth, low to mid-teens, headwinds from lower interest income. I mean, uh, that's not something I'm going to worry about. Doesn't everyone have that? Everybody
3: has that. So I think everybody's models have to change in the world. If I've got $4.3 billion of cash in my balance sheet, and suddenly thanks to the Fed, I'm making a lot less money, On it, it's going to impact earnings. It has nothing to do with operating performance. Our operating performance is strong.
1: All right. Most companies are are struggling to find that level of cash. Now, let me ask you, ultimately, because you know and see so much, is the – do people come back – do they come back or do they always have a choice? Because now I'm starting to see home builders put in an office. I'm seeing people leave urban areas because there's no room for an office. I'm seeing people go to country places because they can have an office. It does seem to me, Nikesh, that it is going to be, well, you know, maybe I'll go to the office today. Maybe I'll work at home. And uh, there are not many companies that expected this, but you did. The other guys are all kind of like thinking maybe they'll come back and I'll, my business will turn up.
3: You know, Jim, this is a very good question. In fact, even as, as as late as early as this morning, we were debating this because we've decided on three pillars about this coming back story. First and foremost, you have to change the entire interaction model with your employees and their learning model and their onboarding yeah. model, how you bring them on board. So we built a program called Flex Learn. It's fully automated. I log in. It tells me my development needs. It takes me through a bunch of programming, allows me to see a bunch of content, and it's just a constant learning and engagement model that we've developed, which is now called FlexLearn. Some of those flex benefits. Now, I don't go to the office. I don't want to use the gym. I don't want to use the cafeteria. I don't want to use the open space in the office. I need benefits personalized to myself. So we've been spending the last six months you know, creating the automation technology to make sure that Everybody gets a dollar amount and you choose your benefits you want. You want health care? You can have health care. Your spouse has health care. You don't want health care from us, but you want a Peloton subscription? You can have that. So we're building a flexible benefits program, a flexible learning program. And last but not the least, we're going to focus on flexible locating. It's like, do you want to work from home? I don't think anybody's going to come back, or not anybody's a bad number, but I don't think a lot of people are going to come back five days a week into the office. I think they will come back to the office because they want to. They want to come back for a day or two. So we're going to call offices collaboration spaces in the future. They won't be called offices. You'll go there to collaborate with other people and work with them. And then you can be as productive from home or your Starbucks or wherever you choose to because we've proven it. We have proven the social experiment that we can be effective for wherever we need to be as long as as we're motivated to get it done. And that's what our teams have proven. That's what many companies are proving. So we've got to respect the employee and let them have the choice. Let them take the responsibility and give them the tools to take that responsibility. Oh, yeah, that is so doing. well
1: put. You were ahead of this, ahead of everyone, and you are dead right. One last thing, CFO, uh, Amazon Web Services. Pretty smart guy. Yeah. Very,
3: very smart guy. Love him. You know, he's got a very, very interesting background. He was at Procter & Gamble for 20 years. He was at Cisco for a few years. He worked at AWS with Andy. You know, a lot of people like him. He's already off to a great start. Really, really happy. And, you know, our CFO had been here. She was great, Kathy. She's surprised the Google Cloud. So <laughs> guess what? We're, we're trading cloud CFOs.
1: All right. Well, look, Nick Cash, congratulations. It was a good quarter. Uh, you know, they kept on telling you bye, bye, bye ahead of time. And then now the stock goes off. It'll be like Nvidia. Went down 20 and goes up 40. Great to see you, sir. Terrific that you came on Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. That's the Kesha Chairman and CEO of Palo Alto Networks. So here's the way it works, people. Tomorrow morning, there'll be lots of people who raise numbers and bro- boost the price target. Stock will be down, and then if the market's okay, it will creep up, up, and up. And that's when you when you buy. Is it the opening? They have money back after the break At least
0: that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See Center for Details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.
1: Not a lot to enjoy right now, other than the recent arrival of the NBA playoffs. Did you see that shot from Luka Doncic last night? Wow, I've watched a couple times. Then there's not a lot to look forward to after that. Maybe uh, we got some baseball return of football season? Well, wait a second, let's talk about that. Yesterday, we got a wave of reports that there had been a spike in positive COVID tests among NFL personnel. Something that could derail the season, not just... Not just as the average, not your average slumber jingle. league was starting to schedule its fantasy football draft. That's what I'm in. Fortunately, within a few hours, we learned that these were false positives from the same lab facility. Turns out the problem had to do with an isolated contamination during test preparation. Really dodged a bullet there. Still, the whole incident is a bit worrisome because we know the company that won the NFL contract, Bioreference Laboratories, division of Opco Health, the largest full service specialty lab in America, has been a major player in our response to COVID. So to get a better sense of what happened here, let's check in with Dr. John Cohen, the executive chairman of Bioreference Labs and a senior vice president of parent company Opco. Dr. Cohen, welcome back to Mad Money.
2: Thanks very much, Jim. How All right. Are
1: you? So you're willing to come on. And that tells me that what happened is it's got to be some isolated, crazy thing. And maybe you can explain us how it happened and how it won't happen again.
2: Sure. So uh, first off, just to remind you, we've now done 4.3 million people COVID testing since this started uh, March 13th. And, you know, I want to remind you that every single one of these tests is a patient behind it and there's a family behind it. So we take everything we do extremely seriously. Um, and I also want to comment. The NFL was, was unbelievably amazing, as they usually are, relative to how they dealt with the problem, how they dealt with the players as patients, and how they dealt with the patients' families. Um, so that's really important as we start off this. So what happened is, is you have you have a false positives. So I just want to describe what a false positive. There's four there's four things that happen. You can actually have a false positive for the specimen traveling to the lab. You could have a false positive. On the analyzer itself, you could have a false positive as a result of specimen preparation, and then you could have it as a result of the lab actually being reported out. We identified relatively quickly that the the analyzers and the reagents were all fine. They were running fine, and there was nothing with the lots of reagents. So we honed down pretty quickly that we knew it was a specimen preparation issue at the very beginning. So what we did is, uh, first off, during all this, we made sure that the NFL had their players retested, which they did for, with a point-of-care device. And then at the same time, we re-ran their specimens to confirm that they were actually negative on another platform. During this entire process, um, we actually went through what we thought could have happened to contaminate the specimens. Let me describe to you very briefly how this worked. When a specimen comes in, it goes under a very strict it's called a biological hood. And what it is, it's an area with special airflow where we actually pour off the specimens, particularly, you know, they can be very, very, very highly contagious. And we refer to them sometimes as a hot sample. So what happens is during the pour-off process into these special tubes, you can occasionally might get some sort of contamination, which we prep for and we're ready for if that actually occurs. So what we did is we were able to very quickly isolate it to the NFL players that were being tested in a very small area and identified that that was most probably where the contamination occurred. So that's actually what happened in the lab at the time. So we, we identified it, we fixed the problem. We actually then went through a process to make sure negative controls that actually every single step of the process was gonna be negative and confirm negative going forward. So that's what happened during the process.
1: All right. So, Dr. Owen, basically what happened, I get what I, just to summarize to some degree, is that if you have uh, a situation that seems even out of whack with what you had before, you have no choice. You have to inform the, the, uh, the part. But you can say at the time, listen, we're not sure, but you've got to know that this is what we got? Is that how you put it? No, absolutely. The first thing
2: to do is every one of these players is a patient. What you do is you have to tell them that they are right now positive until proven otherwise. And the NFL then has, you know, a whole set of events that they put in place to treat these as positive, uh, which I'm sure you, you've read about. So mm-hmm. with with after doing that, then we did what was called a point of care device to test the players to confirm whether or not they were positive or negative, And they were all negative. We then actually retested the specimens and they were negative. But during that process, the
1: players and the patients and the families were treated as if this was a positive. Got it. Got it. Now, how do you think we're doing here? I mean, I, I'm listening. I've been talking to some people from the uh, the Big 12. They're playing. Big 10, not playing. Uh, you know, the, the bubble in the NBA, a uh, virtual bubble in the NFL, maybe college. Who knows? What would you do if you were the commissioner of the world? <laughs> uh,
2: well, first off, you know, the, the bubble for the NBA and Major League Soccer is a very different model. You have everybody isolated, literally within a bubble, controlling absolutely who's going in who's going out and the testing that's done that's done at one site it's very different for the nfl the nfl we put in process a a process for 32 teams in 30 different cities within about a four week period of time and by the way we we hired 350 people to get this done with 10 people at a minimum of each site Whew. so it's a very different model because those players are going in and out and they're actually going home frequently to see their families so the testing Regimen is very different than it is for a bubble environment. We're actually controlling what happens on a day-to-day basis. So you must be doing literally tens of thousands of tests per team. Well, it's not you know in the in the big picture we're doing about fifty to sixty thousand PCR tests every day at five different labs across the country. Holy cow! The test that we're doing for the NFL, the NBA, and even prior for Major League Soccer is a relatively small
1: percentage of the total number of testing that we're doing. Well, that leads me to believe that I don't wanna to be too optimistic, but you know, that's not a lot of COVID that you've found.
2: No, in, in fact, uh, you probably know that the, essentially the, the percentage certainly here in New York uh, is less than 1% in most areas. And I think it depends on which area you are in the country and where the team is, it varies by percentage. But for the players themselves, remember, for the NBA, essentially it's zero. For the NFL, it is very, very low right now. So the, the mechanisms that the teams have put in place right now, the NFL, actually are working. I mean, they, they have a very low rate. They're testing appropriately. They're treating everything incredibly seriously when they get a positive. And right now, it's working. You know, where we had this, this issue. And, you know, as a, you can tell, we've, we've gone through it and we fixed it. But we're still looking at what I call deconstructing and reconstructing what happened on a step by step basis. Right. How it occurred, why it occurred, what we need to do differently, uh, what we need to improve to do to improve our processes to make sure we do everything possible to hopefully make sure this
1: doesn't happen again. Do you think it's literally possible to have that many people involved with the NFL and not have some COVID detected eventually?
2: I think it's I think it's I think eventually something may happen where some people get get, you know, tested positive. But uh, in terms of as a physician, I would tell you that wearing masks, social, uh, you know, social isolation, social distancing, all of that really works. Yes.
1: Yes. I I don't know why we we have so many people who say no to that. You are at the front lines and you just said it. It could work at school, too. Right. I mean, back to school, college.
2: Yeah, we're uh, so we're testing for colleges and universities. We're talking uh, with some very large uh, public school systems, including their teachers. Uh, We strongly believe that we can help them put in place a testing regimen that may be helpful to the students and the teachers
1: as they move forward. Uh, But as I said, we're doing that now. Well, look, I want to thank you for coming on. Obviously, you guys have done a very good job. We've done more than four million tests. Holy cow. And Dr. John Cohen, he's executive chairman of Bioreference Labs. Great to see you, sir. Thank you again. Okay. Thanks. Hey, look, I, I like Opco. I, he works for Opco. I think it's a good company. I've liked it uh, for a long time. But this is important to learn that maybe we are going to have a full season. Who knows? Money's back in for break. hitting new highs again, we need to keep hunting for stocks in the right industries that haven't run as much. Take Fiserv, a payments company that's more behind the scenes than the financial tech place we usually focus on. They operate in the plumbing for financial institutions and merchants accepting credit card payments. Lately, there's been a ton of consolidation in this industry, including Pfizer's merger with First Data last year in a deal that should produce nearly $2 billion in synergies. The stock roared in response, peaking at $125 before the pandemic. But then the COVID crash came along, and Pfizer's never fully bounced back, climbing from the mid-70s at its March lows to 96 today. Now, Pfizer reported an okay quarter earlier this month, slightly weakened expected sales, inline earnings, but much better than expected cash flow. And the company reinstated its four-year forecast, so the stock jumped almost 5% on the news. That's right. These guys are levered to many of the same themes as other payment plays. But crucially, the stock sells for just 18 times next year's earnings estimates, which means it's practically a value play, especially for fintech. Let's take a close look with Frank Bisignano. Now, you may remember him. He was the CEO of First Data. He took over as president CEO of that company, and now he's the new CEO of Fiserv. And i got to tell you, Frank, welcome back to Man Money. It's great to see you. Good to see
4: you, Jim. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. So, Frank, I think people don't know the legend of Frank. So I'm going to say it. Hold your ears so you don't get too big ahead. But you took over first data when it was barely solvent. It had three, less than $300 million in cash and declining. $2 billion in interest expense on the debt. And six years later, it was growing 10% at the time you sold it to Fiserv. So I have to ask you, I mean, why do it again? Why not just rest on your laurels?
4: Well, it's a great space, a great opportunity. You have to love the clients. You have to love the payment space. And so the opportunity to build things and grow is always a lot of fun.
1: Now, Frank, I got to tell you, I look at this Fiserv and I see this company called Square and I know the product called Clover, which is your product from First Data. And Square's worth $67 billion. Fiserv's worth about the same. So am I getting Clover for free? Well, Clover is an unbelievable platform. You know,
4: uh, it continues to grow. It serves small businesses. Uh, we think it's integral. Our bank partners love it. Since we announced the deal, uh, we have 160 new banks that want to be Clover partners with us. Uh, it, is, it is growing. You know, uh, we talked about a 32% growth rate. In July, uh, in in the heat of a pandemic, uh, it's a tool that uh, we help businesses manage their business through. So it's a uh, it's it's a it, it's a great asset to our small businesses. And we see it as an integrated
1: solution for our company. All right. I know it also saves. It's cheaper. Uh, for those who take a long-term view, it's definitely cheaper. Now, let me ask you about this. Where are we in terms of payment volumes? Because a lot of people are getting excited, thinking that things are starting to get a little bit better with the economy, using payment volumes as a measure. Well, we've seen growth. We talked about uh, seeing what we call in,
4: in internal revenue growth, which is driven by transaction volume uh, we see transaction volume up, obviously, large move to e-com. You look at our Clover platform, which has order-ahead capabilities and virtual terminal. Uh, that's driving that growth there. Uh, so, you know, from, from large to small, uh, there's a comeback in payments, uh, and, and we see growth going forward. Uh, and there's still businesses coming back in the recovery. You know, lots of businesses are still working their way back. Uh, and we're here to help small businesses grow.
1: All right. So how about cash, which seems to be on a sudden decline after being a slow decline because of the pandemic? Uh,
4: that's down a lot. I mean, you see it in ATM volumes and we see it in stores. So I would look at cash uh, down significantly. Uh, To any other period we've seen, it's always had a slow creep, uh, but it's it's closer to a double-digit creep right now. Wow. Of course, that that, was always the smallest
1: component of payments anyway. Right. Now, can you tell me, uh, when I look at uh, these, I see this add-in to Stripe. Stripe's going to come public. These are these pure plays. People love them. Again, I mean, how do you compete against a pure play like Stripe? Well I think when you look at what we have, we have all
4: the capabilities. And if you look at our ability to provide global, you know we get we, we talked about 50 institutional ecom wins. We're serving people in multiple countries, one platform, uh, both Clover and our ecom platform brought together brings in a powerful Omnicom. Uh, an omni-channel
1: experience. So we compete very, very well. We win a lot. Well, that's why, you know, one of the things that we've been focused on is uh, we've been looking a lot at the Instagrams, uh, you, you know, at their shops. We've spent a lot of time with Shopify. And we realized that you need to have your own whole ecosystem. How are you appealing at FiServe to the people who uh, may not understand that you need a serve if you're going to grow? Well, I think what we like to do is uh, First, uh, we believe
4: in human presence, so we do have feet on the street. We are right now talking to small business owners to help them re-engineer their business. And then you have the technical prowess of Clover and our e capabilities. And when you bring all of those to the market, you're giving a business owner much more opportunity to grow through the platform. And then we'll bring in a gift card product, which uh, we're an industry leader in and a lot of pay-ahead capability and order-ahead capability. Um, And, you know, when you look at the number one distribution network uh, in in the world that we have with our partnership model, and then you look at our ISV capability serving software vendors, that full package allows businesses
1: to grow and be served, uh, in many cases, with one stop. Wow. It doesn't make sense. Your stock should not be at a discount, Frank. It's like FDC at 1516. When you came on, and it was just very clear it didn't belong at 1516. This is another one that you uh, are going to make into a gem. I wanna, it's a good company, but you're going to make it a great company. That's Frank Bisignano, He's the president CEO of Pfizer. So, so glad to have you on, sir. Congratulations. Good to talk to you always, Jim. Thank you. Bank with Frank. It's pretty simple. Everybody's Money's back after the break. It is time for the lightning round, and then the lightning rounds are, are you ready, ski daddy, it's time for the lightning round, because to start with Joe in Texas. Joe. Hey, Mr. Joe, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Um, so, with um, the hydrogen economy, that's
4: where my question is based on. Um, I feel like the future, you know, could be very bright for Hydrogen. And
1: I agree. I agree. Kind of That's why I extent. should – go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I totally well, I love Hydrogen. Woodstock. Yeah. But,
4: so, uh, with all the acquisitions this company has made, you know, the synergies that could be created, my question is on plug power and what's the case they've been ripped from
1: not making profits by. I mean, I'm old. I like those two acquisitions. That's why we had Plug Power on. I like the story, but I was hoping you would talk about Lindy. Why? Because Lindy's got a lot of other things going for it We'll do this. Lindy for the people who want to be able to have some hydrogen, but also have a, just a kind of a steady earning stream. And Plug Power for those who are uh, young and, or young at heart and are willing to take a little speculative appeal. Let's go to Drew in New Hampshire. Drew. Hey, Jim. How's it going? Uh, I am doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. I just want to thank you for everything that you do for us. Oh, thank it's you. It's awesome. Man. Thank you. So I had a question about a long-term defense play, uh, Huntington Ingalls, H-I-I. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I remember, look, I'm sold enough. I remember we spun off. I am not going to endorse that. It, if I want a defense play, I'm going to go with Raytheon. And if you don't like Raytheon because there's too much air, uh, just regular airspace, then I would go with Lockheed Martin. Steve in New Jersey, Steve. Hello, Jim. How are you doing? I am good. How about you? Oh, very good. Thank you.
4: Uh, glad to get in uh, touch with you. Uh, I'm actually uh, fairly new to your show. We've only been doing it for a couple weeks. Our friend got me into it, uh, and I enjoy. Uh, Thank you. Do you have a question about Gilead?
1: Yeah, they, they're the gang that can't shoot straight. I mean, really, they've got some things going, and we've seen that uh, because we read about them all the time in the news with Remdesivir. But other than that, I mean, you got a 4% yield, and you got a lot of drugs that they're not really panning out. Uh, I would skip it. This whole biotech group is down big. Why not take a solid look at Regeneron, which has some really good things in the pipe, including, by the way, the best cocktail, I believe, against COVID. Let's go to Mark in Washington. Mark. Hey, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Greetings from Eastern Washington, home of the Eastern Washington University Eagles. There you go. Man, I love Washington. It's gorgeous. Oh, it's gorgeous. What's up?
4: Jim, I'd like your current thoughts on international flavors and fragrances, please. Okay.
1: Okay, uh, I think that this merger that they're going to be doing with DuPont, which is a core holding for Plus.com, the Travel Trust, and the club that I run, is going to be just terrific for IFF. And the stock is a buy right here at 122. Freebie, Estee Lauder, never got hit. Just went right back. Let's go to Benjamin in New York. Benjamin.
4: Hey, Cramer, this is Ben from New York. I want to give a big boo-yah of your way for all the great advice you've given and give this shake. Shout out to AJ and Brandon. Um, Love AJ. Stock have, a of, Love AJ. <laughs> stock have a question about... Love AJ. the uh, stock have a question about KPTI? It's been
1: bleeding me dry Cancer July. spec. Cancer spec. I never say no to those. Why? Because that market is so huge that if they... I mean, yes, it, obviously, if you bought it at 18, you'd hate me. I don't care. I happen to think that if you want to speculate, you want to spec uh, speculate on collage uh, because there's so much heartbreak and there's so much need. Let's go to Shimmy in Florida. Shimmy! Chili chill. Yo, chill blocking 25 people today. And people give me a fight oh, on a hey. I say, like, you know, hey list the world is round. I said, what makes it so sure? What are you talking about? So go ahead. Love it. So I know yes. you always count having a 10% stake in gold in your portfolio. Yes. Gold has ran up so much. So if you haven't bought in gold at this point, is it worth doing so? And if it is... Is it better to buy Barrick GDX or the GLD ETF? No, I I actually am a very big fan of Barrick Gold. I think you buy half and then you wait. If you don't get it, come in. I mean, what can I say? That's a shame because the, the move has been so dramatic here. You got a big cap stock's up 55%. So you buy some and then you hope it comes in. And believe me, things come in. A Zoom can come in. Anything can come in. Let's go to Matt in Virginia. Matt. Matt? Hello? Sounds like Matt may not be there. Should we take another caller? All right. Why don't we go to Bill in New York? Bill! Hi, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Jim, my company's recently changed its name from Intextron to Procedion. The CEO took most of the company private, but left this one. What do you think? Well, I I, I do some work on that one. I mean, you know, you can run, but you can't hide. I I don't know. Let me do some work on that stock, and we'll have to come back to Procedion. Procedure. It's like uh it's like uh some pr- pr- Okay, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: What can I say about the upcoming Airbnb IPO? I'll tell you what I say. I think it'll be a steal. Bye bye bye! I'm gonna tell you why. My wife and I hate the cold. It wasn't always like that. Who doesn't want to go sledding down a hill with the kids or make a snowman on a snow day? Build a warm fire when it's sleeting outside? But that was then, when we were younger and the kids were still at home. At my age, winter in New York is bleak and the sun's too weak to entice us to stay, and that's pre-COVID. We don't want to huddle while it's, where it's freezing out, waiting for ship to deliver, because we worry about catching someone else's cold or COVID for that matter. So this weekend, my wife resolved to get a place in South Florida for a couple of months. I mean, I was perturbed. Why not just get away for a couple of weekends? She wouldn't hear it. She wants to leave. She wants to go Airbnb. Now, we used to love visiting Miami Beach and staying in one of those really cool hotels in the ocean. It made us feel a little younger. But Lisa said, no way. First, they're expensive. Second, they're crowded. Third, you have to get in an elevator with other people. Fourth, you can't go in the pool anymore because there are no masks. And fifth, uh, did I mention uh, they're expensive? Instead, she showed me five great places on Airbnb. And spending a month at each of them cost the same as a week at one of those fancy Miami Beach luxury hotels. All had beautiful pools. All had nice kitchens. A necessity when you're afraid to eat at restaurants with their flimsy social distancing rules. And all were a bike ride away from anything we needed, including the beach. We looked at the places together. We we have a friend who lives down there, a Jersey transplant, and and we asked her to check out the properties. I'm I'm confident we're going to rent one this week. Why do I tell you the story? Because if you thought Airbnb had been destroyed by the pandemic, I need you to think again. This turns out to be one another one of those forever-changed businesses that actually benefiting from COVID-19. Before the virus, staying in someone else's house seemed maybe a little more risky than staying in a hotel. Now, the hotels seem outright dangerous. And even the most pampered rich people have figured out how to clean up after themselves. You can clean a house yourself. And yes, there can still be ventilation duct elements that could cause a problem, but you can't really clean a hotel room or a communal swimming pool. And who knows about their ventilation systems? You can't you ride an elevator with other people. You can't. I did it last week. I had two masks on. felt terrible. One of my absolute favorite places, Miami, has a fantastic bar off to the right that I love to hang out. We went there during Super Bowl weekend. Oh, not anymore. Thanks to COVID, Airbnb is now the safest way to travel, which is why this IPO might end up being the steal of the century. It pretty much has the market to itself. The once mighty hotel and restaurant industries and their unions no longer have the clout to keep Airbnb down. They're hanging on for dear life over there, in desperate need of a bailout. And now that 25% of hotels are in arrears, I'm betting it could get worse before it gets better, even though we saw some decent airline traffic numbers this weekend. Now, even before the pandemic, Airbnb was the clear-cut winner in the category, but it always had lots of competition from hotels that were willing to do virtually anything to derail this nuke. Better. Now the hotels are on the ropes. And people who need more cash suddenly want to monetize their homes which are often much nicer than hotels, frankly, even as they lack mo- most of the great accoutrements. But thanks to COVID, nobody wants those accoutrements anymore. The ease, the bars, the location, the restaurants, the possibility of being taken care of, the gyms. I- no, thank you. Plus, it's a recession. We still want to travel, but we also want a bargain, one that doesn't put us at risk of getting COVID-19. In short, we want Airbnb. Let's stick You'll see some stocks going crazy tonight underneath, and the stocks are Salesforce, Amgen, and Honeywell, and that's because they were added to the Dow Jones Industrial Average, Taken out are Exxon, incredible, that used to be the world's largest company. Pfizer, yes, the drug company that was highlighted just this morning, people talking about what it was doing with COVID, and then Raytheon, which is the old United Technologies. Now, here's what's really important. There is not a lot of money indexed to Dow Jones stocks. It's, of course, A terrific thing to be able to talk about. It's a good shorthand. But these stocks will not stay up just because there's money going into them right now. Why? Because the money's indexed to the S&P 500, not the Dow Jones. So these stocks are being bought by people whom I don't want to call amateurs. That's too denigrating. But let's just say people who may be ill-advised on pulling the trigger right now. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you, right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer and I will see you tomorrow. Imagine earning a degree
0: that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.